That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire, running your own company, achieving your life's goals, yet wake up in a cold sweat next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Today, we have a guest who I've obviously have a personal connection with, and so do you. Yes. Taylor Lucy, who was our post-production editor on Real Housewives in New Jersey. She's done endless, endless shows. She's amazing. She is absolutely amazing. And just to give a little explanation, Taylor is the person that handles all the footage afterwards. She does watches interview bites. Yeah, my little confessionals, all the housewives um, confessionals are interview bites as we call them. So she's going to give us, tell us like what she really does, how she got into it, the behind the scenes. Um, can you really, you know, is the edit biased? It's not. And she'll let you know the real truth behind it. Yes. And we're going to inspire a caviar dreamer. Yes, this is very exciting. We have Lisa coming on, who's an aspiring caviar dreamer, who's going to ask Taylor her questions at the end. So Exactly. Someone who wants to get in the field. We're, we're doing this now. So different people who want to get into the, you know, that career or whatever can actually discuss with the person who's been living the dream. So every week on Instagram. Oh, God. I'm so freaking day. itchy. I'm sorry, people. You're going to watch me the whole day today. I'll be itching, sneezing. I it's like doing this. I know it's really unattractive, but it's really allergies. I'm sorry. It's bad. We're a beautiful garden. We're yes. Beautiful God. God. Beautiful God. God. But God. Yeah, so if you reach out to us on Instagram, make sure to reach out to the Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget Instagram. Yeah, if you, you want to come on, if you want to come on. people but I'm not you know they're very full and I really try and answer people and you it's I can't and I, I answer my own social media just so you know yeah so right. PS that's why I'm so freaking slow so please don't get lost in the Marge's DMs go into caviar dreams follow us DM us there and we will get back to you and we're going to let you know what experts are coming up in the future via Instagram yeah, and, and then you can come on and then you could come on and be one and, and ask the questions and get a start in your career yes exactly and people could see it so today you'll see how here goes. Yes. So thanks. Let's, Let's get go. Taylor. Come on, Taylor. So I'm so excited because we have Taylor Lucy, who I have liked to live for. She's producer on my show in post, right? Yeah. Post for everybody listening is post editing, 
post-production. She did all my confessionals, my interviews. She's been on tons of shows. Right, Taylor? Yes, I guess I have been at this point. It feels like it's all gone by so fast, but lots of shows, lots of interviews, lots of fun. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's all good. Yes. Lots of crazy women. Yes, and every, everybody wants to know, like, the behind the scenes and, and talk about editing and production and shows that you've done. So I thought she's the perfect expert to have on because she's smart, she's beautiful, she knows what's happening, she's accomplished. So, I, you know, and everybody wants to know about production, so she's going to let us know the inside poop. There's also a lot of confusion around yes. production. Around a lot. Like, oh, yes. You know, people blame the edit. You know, oh, yeah. A lot of the time people say the edit is very manipulated in reality shows, so I think it's good that you'll be able to debunk a lot of those myths today. Yes. Yeah, let's debunk them. And let me just say, it is just an honor and a privilege to be on <laughs> Day, especially following the acts of Joey Fatone, Carson Kressley, and <laughs> am I not in fantastic company? Not to mention the dynamic blonde duo. I mean, I know, but we, you know, we love yeah. the blondes. We're now the blondes. The three. I know we are the blondes today. I know. I'm so excited that you're on. So wait, you've done over 130 episodes of Real Housewives of New Jersey. You were on from the very beginning, way yeah. before I got. Yes. So that was a crazy fact when we were talking about putting together this podcast. Let me look at my IMDb because, you know, you just add this stuff on and you don't really check it um, until, like, you're updating your resume and this and that. And when I saw that number, 130 episodes. Oh, I know. Crazy. It's crazy. Um, so I didn't start. I started season two of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. I did not do season one. I came on after the table flip, and that was in 2009. And I started as a logger. So really, uh, to make a long story short, I graduated from Villanova in 2009. And there was absolutely no jobs to be had. The economy had just bottomed out. And it was a terrible time for everyone. I had no job lined up after college, and I was freaking out. I was an econ major and an English minor, like the most random duo especially <laughs> like me who now has been in tv for so long as an econ major i was like what was i thinking as an econ major my mom's like you're good at math you should be an economics major and i really did not know what i wanted to do i knew like i love to write and i love to be creative that's why i had the english minor but she, i was like maybe she's right like who knows what like maybe an economics major would be fantastic and villanova was known for its business school and since i was in the liberal arts college i was thinking this is probably be the next best thing but math being good at math does not translate to being good at economics let me just tell you that <laughs> I avoided that whole thing and um, when I got hired I actually got hired through my sister my sister is actually also in TV down in Washington DC she works for the Discovery Channel Network so she's on the network side and I'm on the production company side so it's funny how we have both views on everything um, and she had worked with somebody that was looking for a two-week temp job for a logger. Now, a logger is, they hardly even hire just strict loggers anymore. It's below a production assistant. And what you do is basically just watch all the footage down, organize it, and essentially log it. Um, producers will do that anyway, but it's a good way to just have it all organized and marked up for people to find scenes and sound bites easily. So 
I was like, I started, and after two days, I was like, how can I extend this job? This is amazing. Like, I loved everything about it. It was so, I had an amazing boss, and I think that is one of the biggest. Wait, do I know your boss? Who was it? Was it Lucilla? Was it Lucilla? Lucilla. Yeah. It was Lucilla. Lucilla. Okay. I, I mean, you know Lucilla. Within minutes of meeting her, it's, she's just she's captivating she is so smart she's so quick-witted and i was like i need to be around this woman basically that two-week temp gig turned into an over decade-long career it just all worked out like that just doesn't happen and i understand that and i'm so grateful for that and i'm humbled by that fact i mean half the battle is getting through the door and my sister literally just like gave it to me on a platform and was like here you go and she still, we still joke around about how, like, I owe her a finder's fee because like, <laughs> I owe my career to her. Um, so basically, that's the long story of how I got into TV. And now I'm completely blanking what you even asked me to begin with. Margaret, I'm the one who's asking you questions. I know, you always <laughs> ask me questions. Exactly. Wait, so I like that I'm on the opposite side. I'm quizzing you because normally when I'm with Taylor, I just want everyone to know. She's the one in the interview, but it's like when you see us in the confessionals looking all glamorous and, and asking stuff, Taylor's like saying, Margaret, how did you feel in this scene? And I'm repeating back to her. So now I get to ask her, which makes me yeah. want better. It's really role reversals here. I know. No, we're just talking about the 130 episodes, but how did yeah. you just do the things? See, so Sarah's a locker. You know, but you're the field producers, but you're actually in post in the edit. So how did you go from a logger? Like, what is your, what was your progression along sure. the, the so production? What was really interesting about The Real Housewives of New Jersey was clearly it was shot in New Jersey, and they put up a field office in Manhattan during the three to four months you guys are shooting, physical shooting. Um, and then they did all the posts in D.C., in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is just right on the border of Washington, D.C., which is kind of... A little bit. People just get confused by that. They think it's backwards, but um, that's just the way it was done. Sirens Media was the company that produced Housewives at the time, which then later got bought by Left Field, which then later got bought by ITV. Um, so we were doing posts down there, and for season two, I was able to jump from a logger to, P to a PA, which like, was the biggest victory, in my opinion, at the time. <laughs> so, like, silly. We're talking about, like, I got a $50 raise per week, and it was, like, I couldn't. I felt like the queen of the world. Um, I love it. it. And I was just so, you know, so many of my friends at the time were still looking for jobs, and it was it was a scary time. And, and just to have some sense of job security was a big relief. And not only on top of that, I really, truly enjoyed what I was doing. And again, I was surrounded by so many smart and talented people since reality TV. I mean, who's smarter than Danielle Stubb? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> She's the true genius behind this song. Let's not forget it. Um, no, oh man, we could do a whole other podcast. But that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Um, no, but at the time, reality TV was like just starting, uh, truly, like Real Housewives, it was right, season two, this is 2009, 11 years ago, and, um, they flew in editors and producers from New York and LA and put them up, Sirens Media, my production company, and these people were just like the most fascinating people I had ever met in my life, like, 
I grew up in Bethany Beach, Delaware, which is a super small um, family resort town. Like at the time when I grew up, there was only about 300 people there living year round. In the summer, it explodes to like over 15,000 people, but there was only 300 people there year round. And I went to Villanova and of course, like that was an amazing experience, but there was a little bit of a lack of diversity at Villanova. And I feel like once I finally got to Sirens, I got to see people with all kinds of different backgrounds and interests and personalities. And it was super colorful and I loved it. And these people from New York and LA were like different breeds. And I was thinking to myself, because DC is not known for production, especially reality TV. Um, you know, they've got tons of news and stuff like that, but not reality TV. And um, at that time, I was like thinking to myself, I'll probably eventually move to New York or LA. Like if I really want to get deep into this, and I did, I was like, I'm going to have to make that move. And that was kind of scary for me because I was living in DC and my sister was living in DC and it was kind of the only city I truly knew because growing up in Bethany, the closest city is either Baltimore or DC or Philly. They're all about like three to three and a half hours away. And my mom and dad, my mom's originally from Washington, DC. My dad's originally from Annapolis, Maryland. We just naturally went to DC because that's where my grandparents were. And so like, that was my city. That was what I knew. And like the thought of having to get out there was a little terrifying, but also exciting. Um, so I was just like, let's just ride this wave for housewives. And it turned, it ended up being like not a short wave. So season two, three, four, and five were all basically in post. It's almost like a year. Each, you shoot for about three to four months and then post is happen, happening simultaneously. And there's usually another like four to five months of editing. So, and then you start pre-pro for the next season. So it's almost a full-time gig. So even though I was technically freelance, I was employed straight through, like never took a week or like never even had tr a true vacation from 2009 to, um, to 10, 11, 12, 13. Four years? Yeah, four years. Crazy. Four, four, four seasons, which was all done in DC. There was seasons three and season four was crazy because we were um, shooting season four while airing season three, um, totally madness. Like every, never been busier in my life, even to this day. Like that was such a hurdle because, you know, you, the, the cast, you girls would watch the episode air and then turn up to shoot the next day completely pissed off and we'd have no explanation as to why you're mad because... <laughs> so we're like, yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, we're we're mad editing. We're mad at this. We're mad at this. Yeah. But tell me, how did you go into post? Like, what made you decide not to be in the field and to be behind the scenes? So I, there's something about post, and I have been in field, and I'll get into that a little yes. bit later. But like, it really feels like you're putting together the puzzle, and you're super invested in it because it, you're watching these women every aspect of their lives for four months straight you, you like you get to know them on a deeper level than sometimes you even know like your own family members because you you don't realize when the cameras are rolling and you get to see the best sides of people and the worst sides of people oh. and well you see the worst sides of the margin <laughs> i've seen all the sides of march yeah. <laughs> she's got great sides she's got some 
really um, woody side, <laughs> bad sides, no bad sides at all. <laughs> um, but no, so there's just between, so you have all the scenes, right? You're shooting for four, basically four months straight. Then there's the interviews. So you've got the interview bites and then you've got the music and then you've got the reactions. And there's just so many different elements that go into making an episode that people don't realize. And why should they? I mean, you watch it and it looks pretty seamless. You don't even like take note of these things, but there's just so many different pieces. And like, I think that's where like the econ slash math side of me really liked putting together like the puzzle and then to have it air and like see it all come together is the most satisfying thing in the entire world and to know like you had a team not only were you part of a post editing team that put this together like thinking also you know post and field sometimes aren't super close there is like a division but I at a young point in my career was able to to see both sides and I was constantly coordinating both. So I got to know a lot of the field people, even though they were in New York when I was down in DC at the time. And it is just such an amazing experience knowing like all of the team effort put behind every single scene, every single episode. And it just, to know that you were like the ones that glued it together at the end and you were in the edit and you were in the trenches and you were in the copious rounds of notes from the network because each episode goes through at least five versions there's a rough cut a fine cut one a fine cut two a pick lock and a lock so each version you're getting closer and closer you're focusing it you're honing it you're making it punchier it's just a really cool process sometimes like absolutely like gut-wrenching and antagonizing and like horrible and you know sometimes you feel like you made the stupidest decision or like the joke didn't land at all and you're like why did we even try that um but it's a really cool team effort and you're really it's just something about being able to put it all together that just really made me want to stay in post however i knew because I was strictly post. The best producers know how to do both. They know how to go out in the field and they know how to oversee and edit and post. And I was like, I need to do that. And um, I wasn't ready to make the move to New York quite yet. Um, so Sirens Media, the company that did start Housewives in New Jersey, was really known for their crime shows at the time. They like 90% of their shows were all Discovery ID crime shows. And I was like, let me try, let me try crime. Like I was ready for a change. After four years of doing the same stuff, you need a break. And I think yes. to keep like the creative juices flowing, it's important to switch it up every once in a while. So at the time, you know, I was a producer. I had climbed the ladder from logger to uh, PA production assistant to PC production coordinator. And that was when I was flirting with going to like the business side and managing side of things for production. Then I realized like, no, I wanted to be the, on the creative side. So then I went back to, um, I was a story associate producer, then a producer and, and becoming a producer. Like that's when, once you hit producer mark as a freelancer, it's like, finally, like you feel like you're able to like come up for air financially. And like, there are so many times where my mom's like, are you sure? What are you doing? <laughs> really? You have to buckle down and it's just, it's not the highest paying job and you have to really love it. You have to find the patience and you have to like be confident in yourself to know, like eventually you will get there. And there's still a lot you need to learn to get there. And once you get there, it's just, it's great. And you're constantly, constantly honing your skills. And there's new things I'm learning every day, even now as an executive producer. Um, 
but I wanted a change. And I, even though I was at a producer level in post, I understood that to go to the field, it wasn't going to translate perfectly. So I went back down a level. I was, I went to a field associate producer position for this crime show called Deadly Affairs, which was hosted by Susan Lucci, which she's just amazing. Um, and she's adorable. She's adorable. Erica Kane. She's, she's a hustler. And um, so, but I mean, the, the premise of the show is super depressing. Basically, they were all love triangles that ended in murder. <laughs> so... Who doesn't love a good love triangle murder? I mean, honestly, like some of the stories, when you say you can't make this shit up, you couldn't make that shit up. It was insane. Um, but it was my first time going out in the field and conducting interviews and now interviewing family members, uh, for example, I was interviewing daughters and their father had been murdered by their mother's 18-year-old boy toy at the time. And <gasps> it, it, yeah, it was super heavy, um, but it was cathartic for them. Like the people that make it to shooting, the people that actually go through, like that don't like, because you have to cold call these people, these family members, like aunts, uncles, to see if they're even willing to do it. And a lot of them will just say, like, F you and hang up on you on the phone right away. Thank God I never got that experience. But I, and I didn't even have to do the cold calls. But most of the people that got through to be like, okay, well, we want to do this. They, they were like, it will feel good for me to tell my, my father's story. Um, and it was just a whole different level of interviews. And it was there's really something to sit down in front of somebody and have a conversation about some of the deepest, darkest, hardest times in their lives. And you just, I mean, we're all missing this physical connection now, but there is just something so different. Like if we, if I was in the room with you mm -hmm. right now, Margaret and Lexi, it would just, there'd be a completely different vibe. You know, it's like another yes, element. There's an extra texture there where you just feel super close and bonded and they're just breaking down in front of you and wanting to tell their story and just being so open and honest and vulnerable. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't even believe like, and the interview is only, only like two hours, you know, but still you just, after that two hours, like, I still remember that you, you, you will just never forget these poor girl stories. And I was just like, okay, there is something to this. Like I really enjoyed being out there on the road doing just interviews. And for this um, crime show, it was mainly, um, it, you know, it's not your real, typical reality TV show at all. It's, they did recreations. So they would, it was like, you know, softly scripted and you would go out and shoot like these recreation stories of when like the whole thing, the whole backstory from them growing up as kids and a family and everybody thinking it's normal to like the mom meeting the guy and then the actual murder like you do the whole thing and I wasn't truly a part of that I would I would go to shoots but I didn't really ever get to produce them I was kind of just an assistant helping but I did get to do the interviews for the crime show and I was like I really really like this a lot because I could also come back and then edit it and there's something like there's just such a time saver when you know exactly what kind of bites you're already working with in your head 
versus just watching it cold turkey, you know, um, you already know kind of the gist of what you're getting. So I liked the idea of being able to go back and forth. Um, and at that point is when, you know, that was six years ago and I was really feeling like ready to move. I was like, you know what? Um, LA or New York is it. I was ready to also go back to reality television because that was really heavy stuff. And as much as I enjoyed the experience of getting the, you know, forefront experience of doing interviews, I didn't think I could do that forever, like that kind of material. I wanted a little more lighthearted stuff. You know, reality TV is entertainment at the end of the day. Some people forget it and take it too seriously, you know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know yeah, people. we know those people. They think yeah, I mean, we all get caught up in it, right? And, you know, it's hard not to, especially when, like, you see something you don't approve of, like, of course, everybody's entitled to their own opinions, but at the end of the day, it is entertaining, it is entertainment, and it's, you know, you want to make people laugh, you want to make people feel stuff, and one of my favorite things to do is when, you, is watching the episode live, and then also having your computer up and watching the Twitter live feed, and when <laughs> people come right now, like, or do screenshots within like 10 seconds of something airing and like commenting on the joke and how funny it is. It's just, it's really, a, it's a lot of fun and it's really satisfying and it feels like, you know what, there are so many things that we slip in that are like nuanced and we're not sure if the audience is going to pick up and, and they do and it's really cool and I, and I missed that. So I was like, let me get back to that. And so also at the time I forgot to mention after season five happened, when Left Field had just bought Sirens, um, Left Field was trying to make a presence in LA. So they moved post for Real Housewives of New Jersey for season six out to LA. And a lot of my friends followed the show. And I was like, you know what? I am an East Coast girl at heart. Like, I love my four seasons. I don't want to be super far from my family. I'm super close to my family. So I'm going to just let, let that go. And I'm going to move to New York. Um, and, you know, Housewives will just forever be in my rearview window. I will love it for what it was. But it's time for me to, you know, go and find something new. And so I moved to New York. And I actually was able to finish that uh, Deadly Affair show I was on. I had a lot of connections through Housewives. But nobody wanted to take me super seriously until I lived in New York. They like didn't trust that I was going to move. So I was able to wrap up that job at Deadly Affairs for like a month when I first moved here. And then after the month, I got a job with Long Island Medium. With Miguela. Yeah, with Miguela, which is a another fantastic production company. Yeah, they and, are. Yeah. I was, gonna, just one day, I was, I was gonna get my own show before Housewives, and I signed Miguela. I know. Well, hey, you know, never say never. There are good connections to have. Wait, it was Brian, right? Yeah. 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 We, I think we were there at the same time because that was during. Oh, they put up. They were doing Duck Dynasty also, right? They were doing Duck Dynasty. Yeah. Because that was season six of Housewives. Yes, that was season six of Housewives. I was there. That is too funny. You see that, Margie? We were already connected. Yeah, Long Island Media. That was, that's a, you know, that was, must have been fun. It was a lot of fun. It was, you know what? Everybody always asks me if Teresa Caputo actually is, you know, a true medium. And I will always say she definitely has techniques that she uses. But no matter what, every reading that I saw, 
there was always something that you were like, how the hell did she know that? Like, there's just no way she could have known that. And what about I mean, her, believe her and Larry broke up? I know. That was heartbreaking. I really liked them. They were cute. They were funny. But they're, I think they're better off separate. You know, it sounds like. Were they tell you, well, just a little gossip. Were they fighting? But they weren't fighting. Were they Actually, you know what? We didn't. Filmed them to again. I was only there for three months, and most of the most of the shooting that they do is her readings, and then the reality sh shoots were only be like they were like probably fifteen percent of the shooting, so it wasn't a ton. And they were really in and out. It wasn't like what we do with you guys, where we are like hunkered down <laughs> for three months. It's like crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. From what I saw, they were fine. But you know what? They were, I think they're both very smart, just business people. And they're like, look, we got to do the scene. Let's get it done. In and out. Bam, boom. You know, we're not going to fight on camera, really. From what I saw, again, it's, it was only three months. And I know that show's been going on forever. So I'm sure the other producers could speak to it more. But um, some people are like that. Like, they are diff totally different in front of the cameras. They're able to turn on. They're able to turn that off. But when you film long enough, like, it that, all comes out. It all comes out. It well, all comes out. Jersey Housewives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, we can't hide that shit. No, yeah, happen. no, no. All the skeletons will come out. It's, it's, listen, it's only natural. And this is what I tell everyone. Look, at the end of the day, we're all human. Every single person is going to make a mistake. And that's great because you learn and grow from it. It's how you handle the mistake and how you come out on the other side on whether or not you're going to be able to survive reality TV. Because if you don't handle it in a way or manner that people somewhat approve, you're going to get nailed to the cross. There's just no way around it. And they're going to tear you down. And then that's only going to make you feel even more aggravated and upset. And you're just going to keep showing people that side of you. Listen, Lexi, you know what? Women don't talk often about thinning hair, but nearly half of all women experience it by as early as age 40. So heads up, this year you're going to be oh, 40. it's coming. You know, if you're one of them, you know how scary it can feel. Because P.S. The Marge also bleaches her hair a lot. And... That can cause thinning. Stress can cause thinning. I've been taking these pills. I, I remember you telling me yeah. about these. The Nutrafol? Yes. Obsessed with the Nutrafol. I just want to tell everybody how important it is. Because 30 million women experience hair loss. But people don't talk about it. You know, so go through it yourself. could be feel lonely and frustrating. And it's time to change the conversation. But, you know, I talk about it. Because, you know, people tell me about it. They're like, Marge, your hair looks so fine. Well, guess what? Since I've gone on Nutrafol, my hair is so much fuller, thicker, healthier. My color, as Julie has told me, Marge, your hair quality is so much better. I don't see it falling out in the shower. I'm not kidding. Nutrafol is physician formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use natural, clinically effective botanicals for better hair growth through your whole body health. I've been dying to take it because I remember you started taking this uh -huh. when I was pregnant and I couldn't take it because I was pregnant and breastfeeding, but I'm going to have to get on this because after having a baby, I feel like I'm going bald. A lot of my hair fell out and it is really depressing. So I really want to get on top of this and start with the Nutrafol. I got Marge Singer on it. She is literally obsessed. So people are like, oh, does it work? Does it work? Does it? Of course it works. You know what? 77% of women saw an improvement in just 90 days. So you just take three months, your hair has like a major turnaround. So 
I'm not kidding you. Everybody has to take this. Nutrafol, I've been obsessed with forever. And I know you can make it super easy by just visiting Nutrafol.com and taking the hair wellness quiz so you can get customized product recommendations that put the power to grow thick and strong hair back into your own hands. We have a little offer for you because the Marge has been obsessed with Nutrafol forever. And I think anybody who has issues with hair, if you color it a lot, even if you're not 40, you know, because when you get over 40, your hair gets thinner, whatever. So if you bleach your hair, you're wearing extensions, you need healthy hair, so take Nutrafol. So we have a really great offer for you. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using promo code CAVIAR, that's C-A-V-I-A-R, to get 20% off. This is their best offer available anywhere, plus free shipping on every order. Get 20% off at Nutrafol.com, promo code CAVIAR. Nutrafol, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. By the way, I'm not kidding. This is absolutely the best. I've been using it a really long time. I went off it for like a month, and you know my hair quality was still good, but then I was off it for a little while longer. I am back on the Nutrafol. My hair is looking fab. So go to Nutrafol.com, promo code CAVIAR for hair as strong as you are. Long Island Medium contract ended. And then I got a gig at Left Field doing this salon show. Um, and at that time, I was hearing whispers of Housewives of New Jersey coming back to New York because Left Field was headquartered in New York. And they were like, season six was kind of like just a weird season. It was just, it wasn't... It very good. People didn't love it. That was Marquesi and Twins season. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the most well-received season. And um, they're like, the L.A. office, they just wanted to, like, wrap things up there and then bring it back to New York. And I was like, you know what? If it came back, I had enough of a mental break. And I felt like I had enough going on that I had to change up. And I was like, I would try it again. And I would want to do the interviews. Sure enough. They came back, and I did season seven, eight, nine, and um, yes. And then there was also the Teresa Checks-In special for when she was away in prison that we did with Joe. It was three episodes. Um, so, and I was able to go out and do the interviews. And there's just so something so nice about, like, four days a week in the office and then usually one to two days going out and doing interviews. It was to me the, the best of both worlds. The showrunner um, is the one that oversees, there's one that oversees both field and post and it's a lot and you're constantly going back and forth and you really, you really are working. I would be considered like a Luke. Who is Luke at one Luke, point? So Luke is a, Luke's a field showrunner. Amy would technically have been the, the showrunner. Yeah, the true showrunner. Um, Along with Jordana, who... And not Dorothy? What was Dorothy considered? Dorothy was the exec in charge. So she... So she wasn't considered a showrunner? Not for... Technically speaking. I think she still got the executive producer title. But in terms of, like, running the show through edit and all that, that was Amy. Um, and that's a full-time job. And I liked, like, I would go out occasionally if there was, you know, um, a scene being shot in the city or, like, a big event. I would go to those sometimes. But I, I wasn't directing cameras. You know, I wasn't doing any of that. I was, like, literally just able to kind of watch, which was cool. Um, but when I did the interviews, obviously, that was just me working with you guys one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and then, you know, there'd be a few small 
scenes that we would do for pickups that I could do, no problem. But if we're talking about like a full cast, 12 people, 12 mics, like eight cameras, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know what to do. Honestly, like I can, I can, I give those people all the credit in the world. And it's just also field. It's not as, um, you're not working the usual, not like we're nine to nine to five anyway, but you're working weekends, you know, you're giving up sort of like that normal schedule, which I kind of, I kind of like, uh, Monday through Friday. It's certainly like I work weekends, but I don't go into the office. You know what I mean? Like I would note, I would note cuts from home and it's, it's kind of cool. Cause as, um, as an executive producer and post, I'm still very hands-on in the Avid, which is the um, editing software we use. And so to be able to log in remotely and actually work in the software is, is kind of really cool for me because it saves time, um, a lot of time, actually. So I really appreciate that. Um, but anyway, so that's how Housewives came back into my life once I moved back to New York and I did season seven, eight, and nine. And then again, I was feeling like, you just need to switch it up. You know what? It's not normal... I'm technically a freelancer. It's not normal to stay on the same show all the time. Like my career is definitely like a fluke in the whole freelancing world. And uh, again, I'm so grateful for it, but I think there's something to be said about trying different shows and working with different people and working with different networks and seeing how they do things. It's like, you're just keeping your skills sharpened. And I really felt like you have to move around every once in a while and just know like if I, if I really felt the desire to come back, which who knows, I might again in the future, yes. I, I could be so honored to go back, you know, it would, it would be a conversation I would have to have, but it's something to just know, like, it's okay to try new things. And I think it's important to do so, even though it's so easy to stay in your comfort zone. Like it was a really hard decision for me to move from off of season nine and try something new. You know, it was, it was an active choice like they wanted me to stay and I had to actively leave that was last year and that was when I did um VH1 and you went back to being with Lucilla you went yes and back to being Lucilla so at that time she she basically was like um she was basically running sirens at the time and then she got tapped by Dan who is the owner and founder of Big Fish Entertainment um, and she became the CCO there. So she's the chief creative officer there. And, um, so I was back with her every single show I've had. I can immediately think of somebody that was a super good mentor. And, and that's just, ha I mean, that's more than half the battle. And that's some of like, again, and I, and, I, and I love that. And you know what I think is important to say is just like, Someone who wants you to grow and be yes. working with someone who wants exactly. you to grow, doesn't want to hold you back and doesn't feel threatened. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's a huge thing. You don't find that with a lot of people in this world and, and, and women too. Like, you know, we all want to empower each other, but sometimes it's hard when push comes to shove, you know, um, there's some insecurities and I've seen it like not firsthand I've seen it happen to like friends and I hear about it but I've been very fortunate like and that's why I'm wearing this um femme froze my fierce woman shirt because I feel like I've got my two fierce women here and I have just again Sirens Media was started by two women I would say at the time back in 2009 Sirens probably had like 15 shows so all 14 of those shows were crime shows only one was reality, and it was Real Housewives. And even though we were in the same office at the time, 
we were in a separate part of the office with a different lock code because the NDAs are always super real. Like, let's be honest, NDAs are super real, but they were super, super real back then. Like, I was terrified to speak to anyone about anything because um, back then there was no social media. So you weren't Insta-storying an update while the episode was airing. It was totally different. Everything was so concealed, locked down, and hush-hush. Yeah. And, like, at the end... So many leaks on our show. I don't know. I mean, I felt like, you know, I was like... I know. There are leaks. It's, I still... I don't know how the leaks work. You would think, as a seasoned Real Housewives of producer, I would know that by now, but I don't. I don't know how it works. I just, I don't, I really don't. It's I mean, everybody's like, where is this coming from? And then, like, the boss, like, we have inside scoop from production. I know. Insider said, insider said, I'm like, who's this insider? Who um, is this insider? I know. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to just yeah, come I never, up with I mean, yeah. Wait, Jill, what do we say to people? You know, everyone's like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of housewives um, alike like to blame the edit. Hmm. But I always say, well, if you, you know, you, you yeah. act like an asshole, you know, you look like an asshole. Yeah. That's yeah. Here's the you thing. make people say stuff. But what, what do you say yeah. to those people? Because they like to put in the tail and lose I, I, I don't, it's hard for me to like not say like, you're not, you're not, you're not wrong in a sense where like, the way that you remember something and then the way you see it come across on the TV screen is totally different. It is so overemphasized and dramatic with the music and the yeah. beat. Yeah, it's with the music. That's true. Yeah, it's a full-blown soap. And when it happens in your head, you're like, I didn't think it was like that big of a deal. But when you see it, you're like, oh, shit, like – that's how it really was. And then, like, it's so funny because back in the day, I remember, I'm not going to name names, but some of the housewives would be like, I didn't say that. You put words in my mouth. I'm like, I keep, if, if you're on screen and I see your mouth moving and I'm not making any cuts, like, I'm not a magician. I cannot make those words go into your mouth. Like, now if it was the back of your head, that would be a different story. However, even We've if... We've seen that happen. We've seen that happen a few times. Yeah. Say something in one scene and it's like comes at another time. Yeah, but, but you always have to keep in mind, <laughs> even when you do quote unquote put words in, in someone's mouth, we're not really putting words in mouth. We're taking words out so it comes across more succinctly. Like if we were to edit this podcast down already, I don't know how long we've been um, filming for, but we would be able to cut it in half, taking out the ums and the stutters and the pauses and like, just the extra adverbs. There's so many ways. I mean, keep in mind, you film for four months. We have over hundreds of hours of interviews and each episode is 43 minutes. Like there's so much you have to cut out. So it's just, you're taking this huge long run on sentence and making it more succinct. It's just very interesting how, you know, they try to blame the editing. The editing isn't the one to blame. Of course, it sounds more dramatic, but if you said something, if you did something, and it was slightly dramatic, you better believe we're going to use it. And, like, if you flipped a table, I'm not going to show you not flipping that table. You know what I mean? I, you know, I didn't make you do that. And, of course, Teresa. One of my best lines, I, you know, one of my best lines was, your husband's in the pool. 
Uh, your husband. I, I, I can't even remember saying it. So, of course you did it. I know. Marge, that was the best line ever. Your husband's in the pool. Best like, line oh, ever. I didn't even remember saying it because it was so off the cuff. So happy you guys caught it. Oh my gosh, and I can remember that perfectly in the edit. Like, we all gathered around and watched you say that line so many times because we thought it was so brilliant and so funny. And, like, that's when it really takes a good team to understand like those funny moments because you have to cut a lot out and there are a lot of great one-liners cut out you know there are some that never see the light of day that who knows it could be plastered on a bravo mug right now but yes yeah, so like, like, I know. too housewives shows are tough because you're following five to six women's personal lives and group dynamic lives and there's just a lot you can pack in there a lot and and some of the biggest complaints I get from housewives is how come you didn't put this scene in or how come you didn't put that in? And it's just, you know what, at the end of the day, you have to pick and choose and you have to, each episode has an A, B and C story, sometimes a D story. And if it doesn't speak to that, it just, it goes to the bottom and you, and, and you have to make those decisions. You have to reach a certain time and it's not always, these are team decisions. You know, it's not just one person, one editor, one producer making this call. The network weighs in. It's a lot of people deciding which ones, everything, not which bite, which, which track, which reaction. Every single piece is so picked over and contemplated by so many people. Fans are like, oh, the, you know, producers, you know, they favor this one, or, you know, I got it a lot. Yeah. Oh, never got a good edit. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> you know, these people are <laughs> over them. It, yeah. It's not the case. I mean, it's not one person. Uh, it's not one person. It's not the editor. It's not one producer. It's not just the network execs. It's it's literally not one person. And that's what I just actually love about production because it is truly a team effort. And there are so many unsung heroes when it comes to production. I mean, so many PAs. There's so many thankless jobs. Like, I think one of the most unsung heroes is the audio guy. Because if quarantine has taught us all anything, these Zooms and people's audio is literally, like, can make or break anything. And that's why it is really just so cool when you see it air. And you just think about all of these little things and decisions that went into it by so many different people. It's just, it's not a one-man show. And it can't be a one-man show. That's why I do, I, I think I've stuck with it for as long as I have. And I will continue to stick with it because... You get to be a part of such a collaborative team and work with such creative people and you get new ideas and, and different people have different vibes and energies and ideas. It's just really, it's never ending potential in collaboration. And I just really enjoy that. We're going to be lifting everything soon. Before we get out there, before you're out in the streets, this workout is the best. Beach body on demand. Yes, you could start this right now. You can go right on the website, beachbody.com, and you could do different workouts on there. There's celebrity trainers, there's different programs, there's 
you know, workout advice, there's recipes, there's nutrition advice. It's so great. So you could get that beach body back so that when we can finally hit the beach, you're looking good. I know it's a streaming service. I think it's just so great. And this is so important during this time because of course I've been, I've been eating like a maniac since I've been home and I just, I started doing beach body a little while ago. My legs definitely look toner because I wasn't a girl who was like always wearing shorts. Some of you going to see me in shorts thanks to Beachbody. So I just love it. It has the best trainers like Tony Horton, Joel Freeman, Jericho McMatthews, and Autumn Calabrese. And the good thing is you can work out on your own schedule. I'm at home a lot, obviously, working from home, working from here, and have Nina with me, which is really hard. And you could do 10-minute little bursts. So, you know, I can fit this around my day before he wakes up, when I go to bed, at lunch break. It's so great. Yeah. I mean, you could start your morning with Morning Meltdown 100, and then you'll feel stronger and more accomplished before you even have your freaking cup of coffee. This is unbelievable. Beachbody is so good. It's a streaming service. I'm recommending it to everybody. Because you could go on it whenever you feel like it. Whenever you have time to work out, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you don't even have to do it all at once. 10 minutes one time, you know, two hours later, you could do another 10 minutes. Yeah, um, you definitely just, don't get bored. There's so much to choose from. from I balls, just Pilates to yoga. It's great. So right now, our listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text CAVIAR, that's C-A-V-I-A-R, to 303030. That's 303030. You will get full access to this entire platform for free. All the workouts, the nutrition information, and support, totally free. Again, just text CAVIAR, C-A-V-I-A-R, to 303030. Who wouldn't do something for free? A free workout? Just texting CAVIAR? Do it, peeps. Come on. Get on it. Get on it. I just want to say, you, you know what? First of all, I was like mesmerized listening to you. I know. Like, it was so, so great. I loved it. But you are inspiring other people to go yes. in the industry. And because we're about caviar dreams, you know, on Tune Fish Project, we have somebody, you know, who graduated college and she's going to ask you some questions that you can inspire her. She, you know, has been listening in. Her yeah, name is Lisa. Lisa, she's I love it. Fantastic. Let's do it. Our inspiring caviar dreamers, so we're going to let her come on because that's what this podcast is all about. She's Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Nice to meet you. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, just listen to your whole story. That's amazing that your career sounds like just what I'm hoping to get into. Um, so I just have a couple questions. I won't waste up too much time. <laughs> no, no. Go for it. <laughs> I was wondering, um, when you were getting your start in production, uh, how did you make yourself stand out in a position that often has high turnover? And I just heard you said that your position in the beginning was supposed to be just a couple of weeks long and you turned it into a full career. So just any advice you have for sure. standing? So my number one tip for that would just be vocal. You have to communicate what you want early on. Um, nobody's going to give you the raise without asking. Um, squeaky wheel gets the grease is what I always heard. And I, again, was lucky enough to be surrounded by people that encouraged me to do that. And they took a chance with me. And again, it was a very unique time where reality TV was just starting to pick up and they didn't have like the, the certain budget for the logger the whole way through. So they did extend me, but then it's just showing up every day. It's, it's doing the work. It's going above and beyond, like 
trying to predict, trying to be proactive with what people want, what people are looking for. Give it to them before they even ask, you know, and have a good attitude. I think having a good attitude in this industry goes a long way. There's a lot of egos. Um, creative people tend to be super protective of their ideas. And if somebody doesn't agree with that idea, they can get really upset. So it's just be open, be vocal, just don't be afraid to speak up. I think that's the number one tip or else you'll get, you'll get lost in the mix because there's a lot of people that want to be in your shoes. And if you aren't talking to somebody that is in the position to give you that opportunity, then you're just going to go down by the wayside and they'll never even know like you even really wanted it. So that would be my, my tip for that. Oh, that's, that's, so, that's great advice. <laughs> Um, so I know you, uh, you talked about this a little, how you tried your hand at field before eventually returning back to post-production. Mm -hmm. Um, I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about those positions and how they differ and maybe for someone debating between the two, um, what made you a better fit for post? Sure. So I think one of the biggest differences, um, between field and post is, the um is it the stability that i'm looking for more of the routine you're not going to find a normal like a your typical nothing's normal anymore right but your typical monday through friday routine you're not going to have you if you're in field you will be flown to atlanta for two months to do one project are you okay with being away from your home for two months are you willing to move for two months, like, you know, you, these are things that you have to consider because freelance for field people also, there's just, you, you have to move around just more because you, the, the shooting goes by faster than the editing. So like I was saying, we shoot for about three to four months and then those people are moving on to another show. Now, of course, if you pick a city like New York or Atlanta or LA, there's way more shows happening there. You could probably make, um, you could have quote unquote a more normal, stable routine. But um, there are some people that love to travel and love to hop from city to city and see new people and have like, they, they start to feel anxiety and, and anxious if they're stuck in one place for too long. So it's totally what your personality is. I like the routine. I kind of like having roots and feeling connected to one city at a time. I was in DC for five years and now I'm in New York city for six years. Um, so it's just, you have to consider what your personality is. If, if you like to move around a lot, if you kind of like having not your typical routine, then feels the way to go. There's also, you know, you have to think about working with the talent um, close more closely too if you're in the field so if that's something that you feel like you would be good at or you like to work with talent because that's just a whole nother beast being with talent all the time and you you're hearing <laughs> a lot from them right right Marge? Talent wranglers. Um, talent wranglers. <laughs> talent wranglers. So, no, um, you just have to consider if you like to be the person that's on the go or if you like more of a routine. Um, and then, you know, if you like, if you think you'd be a good person to handle the talent, then that's great field experience as well. Okay. Um, yeah, that all makes sense. I've been thinking that I've been wanting more so to go into field, but, um, 
that's also just me. I hadn't really heard from anyone in post, so it was great to hear your side of it. And I might be someone who definitely likes being grounded a little more, so post might be a better idea. Yeah, just consider it, because I actually was the same way when I was first starting. I was like, I need to get out in the field. I need to be on the ground. I need to be on the forefront. I need to be out there. Like, what am I doing stuck behind a computer in the office all day? It sounds so much more boring and, like, less sexy and less cool being in post. You're like, what? But it is just, <laughs> seriously... It is when I tried the field, and again, like I, I have, I, I haven't um, directed the big group parties. Um, I feel like if push came to shove, I could at this point in my career. Definitely not in the beginning, but um, it's just different. And when you can be hands on in the footage and in the software, is and putting together the pieces and overseeing the edit with the interview bites and the music, it's. It's really cool, and it's actually really sexy, and, you know, I think Post sometimes gets a bad rep for being boring, but it's a lot of fun, um, and you get the best of both worlds. Like, you get to see everything that was shot. You know, you're not missing anything. You're not missing the action. You're just missing being there happening live, so that's just one thing to consider. Um, now, what's your background? Have Did you study film, or have you... Um, I graduated this time last year from Gettysburg College. I was an English major and a minor in cinema and media. Okay, fantastic. Um, yeah, so I kind of had an idea I wanted to be going into this field around like my sophomore year, and that's when I added the minor. Um, but, you know, you being an econ major, anything can happen. I guess. I yeah, truly, truly. I mean, again, like I graduated when the economy was totally terrible um and I was just like I, I almost took a job with Under Armour because again it was like I was an athlete and I was thinking oh this would be great and I knew somebody but then it did the, the job never even came through so um I just again this this the two-week temp job came about and I was just so grateful because it was so the timing of it too like I had watched Real Housewives of Orange County and I had watched Real Housewives of New Jersey with my teammates and we just thought it was incredible the table flip and Caroline Manzo being like let me tell you something about my family like it was just, you know it's just so iconic and to, so I knew of the show so it was appealing to me but I was like I don't know if this is going to be my thing and you you feel it pretty quickly if you get into the office and you start working and you start seeing who you're surrounding yourself with. I mean, that's like my biggest tip too. I mean, it's fantastic that you have connected with Margaret and Lexi and they're amazing women that could show you so many different opportunities and you just, you will have that relationship for the rest of your life. They will always be there for you and they will, you know, if there is anything that they can give you, they will. And so like you're already on your way and it's just about, Really, once you get your foot into the door, trying to assess quickly if this is feeling right and then just moving with it. And sometimes you won't know right away. You think maybe it's good, but it's it's sort of hard to tell. You just got to keep going. And then once you feel like it's starting to be redundant or boring, like you will pivot. And you just have to like kind of listen to that inner monologue you're having with yourself. But I think it's super important. You just... You gotta, you gotta do something, right? You can't just talk about it each day. You just gotta try connecting with people, seeing what's out there, searching all the. I mean, there's so many things online now between LinkedIn and Staff Me Up, and you know, there's Facebook groups also um, that have all these uh, 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 for reality TV producers and editors. Um, 
and I didn't think reality TV. I was like, I don't know if I want to be in reality TV forever. But it, I, you know, I think having a sense of humor helps me get through life a lot. And there's comedy <laughs> in reality TV that I just can't imagine doing, doing anything else really. And there, even though people knock, uh, it, it is entertaining. It certainly is. But there are some like good life lessons I feel like you can learn from reality TV. I'm not going to go into it now because it's super controversial but I think they're like people get into it because they can relate to it and you know some guys like my fiance Ricky he will watch to support me but then he gets into it and it's just so funny because I think even the guys like there's always something when you're watching somebody's life that you can take a piece of it and be like okay I'm going through something similar or like I know somebody that is and it's just it's you're watching it's human to human interaction. So of course there's going to be something that you can relate to or respond to or have a feeling about, you know? So, uh, it was, the, it was kind of the ugly duckling of TV that still is today, but you know what? And I think people, there's just so much reality TV. It spans like people forget, like even like competition shows, like the great British baking show was also reality TV. So, I mean, Chopped, yes. It's all reality. And you know what is so cool about reality also is like you are figuring out the story as you go. It it takes so much creativity to figure out a story that is moving as you go and make it buttoned up at the end. You know, scripted shows are so brilliant and on another level. And at one point in my career, I thought I would make the pivot there, but I didn't. And, you know, who knows in the future. But I like I like figuring out the story as you go. It just makes it feel like there's just so much more room for creativity and people to chime in and put, like, their spin on things. And, you know, you're not married to a script. You're not married to somebody's story that, that needs to be told a certain specific way. You are telling the story the way you and your team want to tell it. And so there's something really freeing in that that is cool. Did forming the close relationships with the cast members make it more difficult at all when it came down to the editing? So this is a question I get a lot. Like, is there bias in the editing if you have a relationship with the housewives? And I will say, like, I love and hate all of my housewives equally. I've seen so much of their lives that I can't not do that. Also, um, again, like, there are so many checkpoints in the edit that even if you were like, oh, um, I'm going to try to give Margaret a good edit, or I'm going to try to give Dolores a good edit, or Melissa, you can't go so far. Somebody's going to stop you. Somebody's going to check you and be like, this, why does Melissa look so good right now? She's being like a total B. Like, you, there's just too many heads. There's too many people that'll hold you accountable for those biases slipping through. Of course, of course, there'll be like, you know, there are small things that who knows subconsciously might happen, but I, I personally have to keep boundaries between like between the housewives, between the women. Of course, I care for them all. I have very strong feelings for them all. But at the end of the day, there is a boundary there, you know? And I feel like as a professional, you have to put that boundary up. You just have to. Um, and the minute that boundary gets crossed, you should just 
reconsider and reevaluate and, and maybe just, you know, switch things up because yeah. you start. Yeah. Is that little Nino? Yes, yeah, so they're all parenting right here. Oh, uh, <laughs> they are adorable. I love them. Oh my gosh, she's kissing the window. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, Nino. Thank you so much. I feel like I've gotten so much insight and I've really learned a lot. And now I'm definitely considering post or um, so, and I'm excited to look out for your pilot that you can't talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, feel free to give her my email address, and we can. Oh, oh that's so nice, Lisa. Lisa we'll give you Taylor's email address. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Bye. Bye. You helped her so much. I hope. You know, it's so it's so fun talking to the younger generation because I just I picture. Like, that was me, you know, when you were trying to figure out and navigate. So we ask, you know, we have a, a standard questions that we ask everybody who comes on because okay. these know, are things that the mod just said over the course yes. of our podcast that are My very relatable to, any, to everyone yes. and they're very typical March questions. Yeah. Okay. So at one moment, you know, I would say that you felt like you, it was a pick your big girl panties up moment for you. What moment in your career did you realize, holy shit, I got to pick up my big girl panties? early in my career and this is so funny because it's so minor looking back on it now um, but it just goes to show you like what happens in your early career really like will impact you uh, Rosie and Joe Judice had their own little spin-off webisode series and I remember I got notes back on it and I was like really mad with and these are just again this was like a one and a half minute little thing that was going on bravo tv.com that probably hardly anybody tuned into like eight years ago you know what i mean and i was just so upset and i was like no i think it has to go this way and i like i like stood up for myself for once and i i remember that being the first time that i like felt like i found my voice you know in the creative process because there's a lot of times where you just it's not your favorite idea, but someone above you is telling you to do it, so you're just going to do it. But I felt passionately about this one one thing with Joe and Rosie, and it ended up going through, and it was fine, but I had to pick up my big girl pants and, like, speak my voice. And it was just not even – it wasn't even anything, but it felt to me like it was a big deal at the time. And I'm trying to think of others. I mean, there's been so many, and I'm sure I've, like, completely blocked them out. I'm I trying to think. That's probably got you started. That set you up for all your other big girls. Yeah. Finding your voice is a very um, important part of anybody's career. And sticking up for the things that you think are important. And, and at the end of the day, you have to listen to that gut feeling, and you have to follow it. And and if, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, it, but at least you voiced it. You know what I mean? Stand up for what you really believe in. And, and ultimately, that'll make the better product. If yeah, I, try does, you know, I, I try to do that with my outfits when they complain about me. That's going to more Ray on camera. <laughs> I'm a hard time in my interview. Yes. You got to stand up for yourself, Margie. Nobody else is going to tell me this. Don't tell me this is going to be So many phone calls. About the episodes. So, like, what's our next question? So, the March has always said her, her career, she has always been part determination, part delusion. 
So what part determination, what like percentage are you determination to delusion? Ooh, okay, that's a good one. Because I was 50-50. I said 50 determination. I feel like I'm 50-52 because at the end of the day, I will get it done and that, that takes determination. But also at the end of the day, it might be the most craziest delusion null idea ever. So I feel like mine split pretty evenly too. Okay. I do. I think success is based on 50-50 like determination delusion. Yeah. You have to be a little delusional. Like you have to be. Like all of, life is life is crazy. Life is unexpected. I, like yeah, I, how we're living life now. It's just and then also obviously we are entrepreneurial based. Um, but I would say that we're not bullshit people like, you know, giving you advice to be the CEO of a Forbes five hundred company. So we like to give real advice and you've given so, so much, much real advice. advice. So which, much yeah. But what's one nugget of entrepreneur real, like real entrepreneur advice real advice? Just okay. a quick sound bite. One nugget. Is it lame if I say find your mentor? No, oh, I love that. Oh, like, 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 if I'm one that doesn't pick her nose, because now my nose is Yeah, don't listen to anybody that's pissed. It's not cocaine, people. It's not going to get you know, It's not COVID. It's not COVID. Allergy doesn't even drink allergies. Allergy. I know, the allergies have been out of control. Look at no, find your mentor. There's just, they will lead you and guide you above and beyond. You need somebody to help navigate you through this world. And, and, and an entrepreneur is the most. I mean, it's just... So do you feel like, because we could call her out, your mentor has been Lucilla? Yeah. Do you think yeah. it's been Lucilla? But also, um, I, Caroline yeah. Self. Caroline Self was a huge... Caroline Self. Okay, um, great. Caroline Self and Lucilla. We got to give the, the uh, yes. women... Them. Oh, I love them so love much. They guided me in so many different ways. And uh, and also my sister. Like, I don't want to... My sister as well. Well, but she's on the network side, um, so she doesn't. It's funny we can balance each other out with giving each other tips and advice. But um, yeah, I'd say those three. Those are the three main people. But in, in terms of my like day to day, it's uh, it's Lucilla. Well, Taylor, this was the best. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming on. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Love you. Thank you. You're amazing. Of course. Thank you. That was very impressive. That was, I was so impressive. And I feel so great that we really, truly were able to help an aspiring dreamer. I know. Little Lisa. And there were so many things in Taylor's story that should, should give hope to people right now. Because like, she came out of college yeah. in a shitty time. At a shitty, shitty time. Yeah. Okay, people. You know what this means? It's just like, do things that you're not asked of. Think, you know, think oh, outside the box. That was how I started my career. I... Literally, exactly. did. I prepared everything. Your career and look how far you've come. <laughs> <laughs> she gets to be in the kitchen with the module. Very similar. Like, I started my career in fashion. I reports to people to Nashville. I got right in. I showed up to me since I wasn't invited to Twitter. Yes, that's yes. it. Exactly. But I shot that, and then I met you. And Lexi's in this festival. I cannot, I cannot live without her. She's, she's right in there, and I can't live without her, and we're meant to be together. And so be a leech. Just yes. leech. Leech your way right in. No, but this is so perfect. Taylor was unbelievable. Yes, so happy our dreamers. Oh, we didn't see where you could find Oh, yes. Well, Taylor right. Lucy really could just follow on Instagram. She's yes. Taylor Lucy on Instagram. It's not, she doesn't have her own company or anything. But her shows, you know what she's done. She's come out with a new show. Her last show was with Big Fish. Was, what was it? It was the um, BH1 show. Yeah, the, girls the Little Kim Girls Cruise. 
And you can go on her IMDb and see everything, and her links and information will be on our website, as always, margaretjoseph.com in the Caviar Dreams section. Yes. You can find us at Caviar Dreams, Tunifish Pleasure on Instagram, The Real Margaret Josephs. The Real Margaret Josephs. The Life of Mrs. B. And as usual, our episodes are Wednesday and Friday, and we air on YouTube, and also mm-hmm. anywhere you get your podcast fix, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're yes. there. We're there. We're us. there. You'll find us. We'll be right into you. <laughs> we'll right. show up even if you don't want us. <laughs> so keep dreaming, caviar dreamers. Keep dreaming, caviar dreamers. <laughs>